I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Welcome to episode 76 of the CantoBite Dispatch. Sadly, the delightful Brittany Brown is not with me this week, but that is okay because instead we have co-host of two of my favorite Star Wars podcasts, Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast for winners, and the Blue Harvest podcast, and a friend to raccoons everywhere, it's Mm -hmm. Haas Burkhardt. Hi, Haas! I'm Brittany. (laughs) Oh, dear. She's she's interesting shoes to fill, I must say. Yeah, I don't know, man. I uh, I I don't think I can do it, but I'll do my best. Okay, it might. It's probably a slightly different dynamic. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I hey, if you want me to talk about how awesome Carlos is for a while, I'll do that. I can do that part. Okay, so okay, talk about awesome Carlos. Talk about Disneyland. Oh, and... I love Disneyland churros, <laughs> rides. Mickey Mouse ears, spending a lot of money. Oh, man. <laughs> and, well, I mean, you do you do enjoy porgs because you're a creature dude. So I do. You got that. I mean, maybe not quite as much as, Br- as Brittany, but I don't think anybody likes porgs as much as Brittany. Uh, I, I will happily concede the title of number one porg lo- uh, lover to Miss Brittany Brown. But... We do have some news to talk about, just little things. We got some emails. We luckily do not have any voicemail because the thought of singing the voicemail song in front of somebody who's not Brittany, I I couldn't face it. (laughs) It's a voicemail song. (laughs) I, it's one of those things that I did once and I'm like, oh no. (laughs) Oh, trust me about understanding what you mean about doing something once on a podcast and then you're like oh shit that's going to become a thing isn't it yeah it's it's interesting when you see what catches on with people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like your audience i mean because i mean obviously you have okay first of all if anybody doesn't listen to rogue one or blue harvest you're really missing out they're two awesome podcasts but you have the whole Kia D Mundi thing, which oh, do we? I, I I don't even know how that's how that started because I I mean I've I've sort of found your your podcast a little bit later, but y- you must get tagged in everything that ever happens when people see Kia D. 
I don't know if you remember, like, um, I don't know about, I guess maybe somewhere between three to six months ago, there was this Star Wars meme that, like, sort of resurfaced, and it was Kia D asking about, like, oh, what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? And people were using that screenshot of that moment and all kinds of different memes. I got tagged in hundreds of them. <laughs> oh, man. Of, of all the things to become your thing. Uh, right? I, I love it, though. Now every single piece of our artwork, shirts, everything has that dude on it. And you know what it, it, there's a benefit of? I don't find myself having to pay ridiculous prices to collect Kia D stuff because nobody wants it. <laughs> that's that's a good bonus. Mm-hmm. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Now, it, okay, I gotta say, in terms of collecting, I know because I've been talking about you with this on on DM on Twitter. You're into the hot toys. I am, and you are partially to blame for that, by the way. Oh no. Yeah, seeing it like because you got into them well before me and seeing your pictures and stuff. And then old Corey Stories was selling off a couple of his and he had one that I really liked. And it's been downhill ever since. So what was the first one that you got? It was it's the uh, FN2187 version of Finn with the, the bloody Stormtrooper helmet. That's a good one. Yeah. I I just I just this morning I I pulled the trigger I got the Last Jedi Octu Luke. Okay, I need to ask you something here. Now, let's yes. let's get to down to some real hot toys talk. All right. Okay. So I have decided like the thing I like about Hot Toys versus the Black series. The Black series are are you know relatively cheap. When mm-hmm. they first come out, they're about 20 bucks, And then if you play your cards right, you can find some of the, you know, less popular figures for much less if you just play the Patience game. So that made it really easy for me to try to be a completionist with them and just get them all. Even characters and stuff I have no affection towards. Well, with Hot Toys, because they're so expensive, I can be much more focused and, and feel better about only getting the characters and stuff I really like. But this is leading to a very sticky situation with me where you so you brought up the Octu Last Jedi Luke, which uh-huh. is a is a figure I've got my eye, eye on as well. And right now, the only Luke I have is the Return of the Jedi Luke. It's an amazing figure. But now I am getting that old Black Series itch where I'm like, well, I want all the Lukes. Oh, that's bad. That's real bad, considering the very first hot toy they did was Bespin Luke, and he is insanely expensive on the secondary market now. So, like, it's it's And then, you know, like, because I got in relatively later in the hot toys game, I'm constantly finding figures. I didn't know they did a Stormtrooper Luke. You know what I mean? There's There's figures that I didn't even realize they made. Yeah, and like okay, every once in a while there'll be one that in theory I really want, but it's a little bit off, and then it's sort of it's almost a thank god because they also did a stormtrooper Han. Right. And th- there's something a bit goofy in the face mold. I noticed that when I was looking at that one because they still had him available when uh I first started getting in the hot toys. Yeah, it's just like there's something weird about his expression. 
Yeah, and and see, that's the thing. I really want a Han Solo for my collection, but I want the right one, if that makes sense. Like, um, you know, I don't really want the Alden version. So, and that's the only one that, you know, I could reliably get right now because he's up for pre-order. But like, you know, the A New Hope version, pretty pricey. Um, They've kind of teased Bespin Han Solo in some of the uh, product pictures, like for uh, that uh, Cloud City Leia they have coming. So I'm hoping that he's going to be coming out. And if that's the case, I'll just get that one because that's a a pretty kick-ass version of Han Solo to have for the collection. Yeah, I I definitely need a Han. And I sort of regret that I didn't go in on the the Han Chewy. Mm-hmm. To like double pack when I like it would have been expensive because it was like you know like four fifty or something like that. Right, but you're essentially but, getting yeah. two figures, so it's not. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you my so far my one missed opportunity with Hot Toys was shortly after getting my first one. I felt you know I went all in, started looking at them on eBay, and I found the Finn and Riot Trooper two pack from the force awakens and the person on ebay was selling it for like 250 bucks damn and i don't know why i didn't bite on it i think it was because i was after a boba fett at the time like i didn't have a boba fett in the collection and wanted that but i should have should have gone after that one because i i like finn quite a lot and um that would just have been neat a neat two-pack to have i think yeah, I I really like Finn, and I sort of I regret that I don't have one. But at this point, I've just I've decided, okay, anything else, I'm waiting to see, well, or any any of like the new trilogy characters, I'm gonna wait to see what comes out with with nine. Yeah, I'm taking the, a a very similar approach. Like, uh, like I was saying, I, I'm. I mean, I would love to try and get all the Lukes. I, it might be impossible for me at this point. I'm hoping that maybe at some point in the future they re-release Bespin Luke because they have sort of re-released figures in the past. Like, they've got the um, original trilogy Stormtrooper back up for pre-order now. So they're, you know, doing that one again. Um, but Ray, Ray is, is one I want to get all of her figures for. She's my favorite character in the sequel trilogy. And so far, it's not that unobtainable. You know, there's only three different Ray figures at this point. And I've got two of them. And then you got, of course, you got to imagine there'll be uh, at least one more with the the last movie in the trilogy. Yeah, I have to think, like, I, I tell myself, okay, I'm going to have, like, one version of a character. But... Because I have the like the first Ray, the one they did with BB-8. I have that one as well, and it is so awesome. It is awesome. Although putting like oh god, first of all, putting the batteries into that BB-8 and <sighs> the and the little antenna, I I almost started to cry. That little antenna. So it, within the last few months, right, I got uh, like a glass display case for my Hot Toys. They were just on like a regular shelf, and that antenna was the bane of my existence for a couple of months because it kind of clips in but not really and like the slightest movement makes it fall off and the batteries in hot toys are infuriating like so i got um 
the deluxe Empire Strikes Back Darth Vader, right? Mm-hmm. An amazing figure. The the special stand it comes with, incredible. But the problem is he has, uh, I don't know, maybe six different areas that you can put batteries in. So, like, you know, his base lights up. His chest plate lights up. Um, his lightsaber, He, you know, they come with the, the arm that has the lightsaber that lights up. But I could not figure out how to get the arm out of the sleeve to put the other arm in. And I tried for maybe an hour and a half. And, you you know, you're trying to be careful because it is an expensive piece. You don't want to mess it up. And it just gives me so much anxiety. Oh, oh, yeah. Whenever, whenever I, I change the hands or anything, because it's always more force than I think it is should going require. To yes, yes, exactly. Oh, it's it's it makes me so anxious because I just know like my big dumb banana hands are gonna try to force something in too hard and snap something and then you know I've ruined a two hundred and fifty dollar figure. Yeah, it is. It is not a cheap habit. It's not. It's not. But, I, thankfully, yeah, it, right after I got into them, I had uh, a, about a run of eight months of. 60 plus hours of work a week so I had a lot of overtime so that helped with the hot toys addiction for a little while there yeah I gotta say I've been pretty lucky in that I have like two of the ones I have the the Hoth Leia and the porcelain pattern stormtrooper were ones I got through like contests yes that's really cool I have to say normally I really like the super screen accurate stuff but the the porcelain pattern stormtrooper there's something about it that i just absolutely love it's so cool and they also did didn't they do like a a gold plated stormtrooper at one point i think so yeah i thought they did i could sometimes i get a little confused between them and sideshow because you know sideshow is who has the rights to sell hot toys in the united states so sometimes i get the two products mixed up yeah I've, I've I've done the same, and because like a lot of the old like retired stuff is is actually sideshow, like they did they did a Ventress right that I have, I've looked out for and and some other ones, and I think they they they've done did they do some old like bounty hunter ones? Yeah, right. So right when I got into um hot toys they had a whole line of bounty hunter figures that they did that weren't i mean they were expensive but not hot toys expensive they typically ran i think about 200 bucks which is a little cheaper than a hot toy and uh yeah they did like ig88 bosk dengar and you know those are my dudes and i was like well i'm gonna get those and then i started to worry that they wouldn't look right next to the hot toys if that makes sense like i know they would be in at least a similar scale but i was just worried that there might be like differences in quality so i think i'm just going to try and hold out and see if hot toys ever does those guys yeah and and the thing is they'll do stuff much later than i think they would like this announcement of of the krennic like suddenly coming out when that was one they had previewed i think before the movie even came out and then now they didn't say anything about it ever again and i thought well okay i'm never getting to krennic 
Right. And then <laughs> suddenly it's there. You you clued me into I never had seen the page on Sideshow's website that was like the uh the preview stuff, the chef stuff they show at conventions and stuff. So yeah, going through there and seeing like uh Ray's speeder bike that they showed off that hasn't shown up yet, the Poe Dameron, um like gonk droid didn't they show off a gonk droid hot yeah yeah and i don't know if it's just they only want to release a certain amount of them a year and you know are just waiting for the right time to to fill you know that scheduled slot or something but there's a few characters in general that just mystify me that they haven't done they've never done a lando of any sort yeah I mean, how do you not do Lando? I don't know. And, and you know, they, they didn't do... Granted, if they did Finn from The Last Jedi, it wouldn't be much different than his version from The Force Awakens. But, you know, no Finn from The Last Jedi. Um, I'm trying to think. There has to... I'm, I'm definitely missing some. Uh, uh, I was all in for an Enfys Nest if they did an Infus Nest, and they, there's been no indication of that either. Uh, I just think that figure could look pretty incredible in hot toy form. Yeah. Like, every once in a while, like, the faces will be off on hot toys, like like we talked about the Han. I think the general Leia I really don't like, unfortunately. Yeah. But the, helmet, the helmeted ones are always amazing. Always, yeah. And, and I think that's just... I don't know what it is about that because, like, when I opened my first Hot Toy and I got that fin, I could not get over the likeness of John Boyega. It's so spot on. He's even got, like, a sheen of sweat on his face. Like, the attention to detail was incredible. And I really wasn't aware that sometimes they're not that good they're not as good as that right there and then like you said the general leia something is just slightly off unfortunately it makes me wonder if she passed away before they could do the face scan for that or something i don't know maybe and and it could just be that because they're so hyper realistic that you notice the offness more that could be very well what it is. Um, because yeah. like you're much more forgiving with how like a you know like a three and three quarters, or the or the six inch black series are like some of them are terrible. Like right. there was that weird face melty Poe one. Oh my! I, they have yet to do a good Poe Dameron figure in the black series. It's so weird. You get a handsome bastard like Poe Dameron, and you can't even get close to it. It's very strange, and I wonder, like, it, like, is there something weird going on with Oscar Isaac's face? Because the again, like, we still don't have the Poe hot toy. Yeah, and and the the preview pictures of it are incredible. You know, they haven't done any pilots. Like, they haven't done like an X wing pilot Luke, which I I figured they would have done because that's a pretty popular outfit. You know, for Luke Skywalker, I feel like I feel like that's one you always hear people sort of excited about when they do a new x-wing luke or something like that yeah or i'd buy like i'd buy a i'd buy a porkins oh i would be all over a porkins or a snap wexley a hefty dude with a beard and like i could be like yeah that's me guys <laughs> hot toys made of me oh man oh yeah 
I, did you ever see the Millennium Falcon cockpit they did for one of the Comic-Cons? It was one of the most insane things I've ever seen. Oh, my goodness. Like, I, I realize with certain things like that, obviously, they're not going to be produced. Like, because how much would that... It would be as big as my kitchen table, for one. And secondly, like, $10,000? I don't know how some, how much something like that would cost, but... Man, that's cool. I hope they didn't, as far as I remember, they didn't really have much of a presence at Celebration uh, Orlando, but I hope they do something for Chicago. <laughs> I would be really excited if they did. Yeah, yeah. I just, I want to see what, what, what they're, even if it's stuff, you know, that's going to be like two years from now. I love, I love seeing that shit and Especially if it's like a big, massive diorama, yeah, like that Falcon one. That would be so cool. Yeah, but so how many do you have now? Hold on, I'll, I'll count real quick. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Do you count BB-8 and Ray as one figure or two? I count them as one. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have eleven. In Not- a year, about. Uh, a little over a year. Okay. That's 11, and nine of them are displayed. Now, I got really lucky. Um, my buddy Jeremy um, is the Star Wars toy hunter extraordinaire. He's always hitting up stores. He's on the apps, the Let Go apps and stuff. And he came across a guy on Let Go that was selling a First Order Stormtrooper and a kylo ren from the force awakens for a hundred bucks for the two of them Ooh! so yeah so i got a really good deal on those and then when i pre-ordered the return of the jedi luke this is this is something i'll tell anybody who's thinking of uh you know dealing with hot toys or sideshow they have some amazing customer service um so I ordered Return of the Jedi Luke. He got shipped to me, and then, you know, I was following the tracking, and it said it had been delivered, but there was no hot toy at my door. Oh. So I called them, and I talked to a lady. She could not have been nicer. She was like, look, we ha- we'll have to put a claim in, and if it doesn't show up in 14 days, we'll take care of you. And I was like, okay, that's totally fine. So 14 days later, still no Luke. And I didn't even have to call them. She called me while I was at work and said, hey, we're seeing that it still hasn't been delivered. Um, We're going to send another one out to you. And is there anything we have in stock that you would like? So I got a free Last Jedi Ray out of it. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's that's awesome. So, you know, a a couple of lucky breaks in there helped with the, the hot toy collection as well, for sure. Yeah, like I had um I I bought almost all of mine through Sideshow except for the Tarkin cuz I waited too long. And normally they do like low stock alerts. Right. But I but with Tarkin it just went from there like there wasn't one. Like I looked and then the next week I looked again and it was sold out. And I went to, I think I ended up going to like four different stores here in New York to try to find one. Oh, and you found one. 
Yes. Yes, oh. it did. At, at uh, Midtown Comics. It was the last one. They actually, it was, um, it actually ended up being the, like the display because oh. it was in the case and I'm like, I want to buy this. And she's like, it's, it's the, like, is it okay if it's a display? I'm like, I'm not going to keep it in the box. Just like, <laughs> sell it to me. I wish. Well, I say this, but I'm kind of glad they don't. There's nowhere around here as far as I know, that sell hot toys, like an actual comic book store or anything that stock them, at least any of the ones I've been to, which is probably good because it. I think it curtails my impulse buy if I'm like having to go online and pick like the exact one I want. I can see what's coming out. So I'm like, well, do I really want this emperor or would I rather spend the money on something else I'd want further down the road? Yeah, I feel like the comic stores here, because I know Midtown Comics has them and uh, Forbidden Planet has them, they sort of double as, you know, like, store decoration. Right, like, right. I don't know how many they actually sell. I gotcha, I gotcha. So they're at least display pieces and, and stuff. Yeah, because like, at Forbidden Planet, there's a big display of them, like, as soon as you walk in the store. And you can buy them, but it's also just, oh, here's this cool stuff that we have. That's really cool. That's really cool. Because they're all out and posed and everything. Yeah, that's another thing. I, like, I have to up my hot toy posing game because I have a couple in my display case right now that look like dolls. You know what I mean? Like, just they're, they're a little too stiffly posed and stuff. A couple of them I've nailed. But, uh, like, they, Sideshow actually does this, um, series on their youtube page called uh how to be a poser or something like that yeah they're really helpful because it's stuff i wouldn't have thought of yeah and and they'll do like you said stuff i never thought of like using double-sided tape to get a robe or a cape to lay how you want it to lay and stuff it's it's helpful but there's a couple i need to pull out of the case and and mess around with to get in a better pose so they look a little more natural yeah, what I saw, what I realized when I've been watching some of those videos is very small adjustments make a huge difference. Yes, they definitely do. Okay, now normally we save this till the end of the show, but Uh-oh. we have a lot of these today, so I'm going to intersperse them throughout. Because when I announced you were going to be on the show, I'm like, send an email or send fuck, Mary kill. Man, people really wanted to send you fuck, Mary kills. Uh, one of the first ones I got is, of course, from Johnny Grosso, one of your co-hosts over Uh-oh. at Rogue One. He I'm nervous me. about this one. He said it was going to be the hardest decision I've ever made. <laughs> well, you know, Johnny, Johnny likes to speak in absolutes, but it's, it's a pretty good one. And that is, okay, fuck, Mary kill for Oz. Who do you fuck, Mary kill between? One, original trilogy Boba Fett. Two, John Locke from Lost. Oh, my God. Three, three, Walter White, in parentheses, from Breaking Bad, not his cat. Okay, thankfully. <laughs> thankfully, because I, if it was Walter White, my cat, the the decision, like, any decision I make is horrible. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> I think you have to marry the cat. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the only way that I could sleep with a conscience (laughs) at night. Okay, so we got John Locke, original trilogy Boba Fett, and Walter White. All right, I'm killing Walter White. 
I'm not a meth guy. Like I love the show, but I can't imagine having to a spend the rest of my life with a meth dealer. Can you imagine the stress? Poor Skylar. You saw what she went through. Oh yeah. All right. So killing Walter White. I'm going to fuck Boba Fett because let's be honest, he looks cool, but that's probably all he's about, about he's good for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll marry, well, ooh, if I marry Boba Fett, maybe that means I get to wear the armor sometimes. <laughs> okay, no, I'm going to- good consideration. I'm going to keep it, keep it like that, and I'm going to marry John Locke because I think he would keep me motivated. I'd be like, I don't know, man, I don't want to work out today. And he'd be like, don't tell yourself what you can't do. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't be lazy around John Locke. No way. Yeah. And he would play like strategic board games with me and stuff on his lunch break. It sounds like a pretty good time. Yeah, they're always what are, is it backgammon they're always playing on the show? I, I think it's backgammon and then remember um in I think it's episode 4, Walkabout, where you first find out that he was in a wheelchair before he was on the island. He's playing like I think Risk or something on his lunch break with one of his coworkers, and like his boss is making fun of him and stuff. Oh yeah. He he likes board games at John Locke. He also likes Mousetrap. Yeah. So then you have like you have fun game nights with John Locke. Yeah, I would have to teach him the joys of video games. He might hate on me for my video game addictions, but you know I could get over that. I'd be like, come on, man. You hunt boars with knives. Chill out. We all have our things we're into. <laughs> I need to do a Lost rewatch. I I do one about every year and a half. Um, and it goes pretty quick because I have a lot of free time like when I'm working from home to watch something. And Lost is one of those things I've seen so many times that I can put on in the background and not have to worry about missing anything. Yeah. You know, that was what I started watching that in college. And they're like, it's such a viral memory. Me and my friend Adele, who actually listens to the show and, and writes in occasionally, which is awesome. We would like sit at that, my, like the living room in college and watch Lost together and freak the fuck <laughs> out. Like, I still remember the episode when, when Charlie gets hung. Oh, my God. Oh. Like one of our one of the housemates like came downstairs being like, "What the fuck are you guys screaming about?" <laughs> Lost is an interesting thing for me because I got into Lost right when I moved to Birmingham, um, and it it came you know it sort of came out in a time where there was no new Star Wars except for like Clone Wars and stuff. So Lost for those six years or you know I got into it sometime in like season two or three um during those years it was on it was my star wars like i'm talking sleepless nights before the new season premiered and reading theories online and stuff somehow i never got into lost podcasts um but yeah i full-on obsessed with it uh and like it, it it's it's one of those things that still like in some weird ways affects me so like in a video game if i'm creating a character and it's like put in your character name i have two go-to names if i'm playing a good character i do jack shepherd and if i do a bad if i'm playing a bad character i do creed bratton from the office 
And <laughs> those are my two go-to. And and thanks to you, Emily, I had to learn a very hard lesson in oh, separating. So oh, it's totally fine. <laughs> separating an actor from their character because Jack Shepard is my favorite character in Lost. And I had no idea, no idea what a tool that guy who put Matthew that he, around, is. that he goes around punching ladies. Mm. Yeah. DUIs, punching bus drivers. It's bad. So, you know, <laughs> I'm torn because one of the things I'd love to see the most is a lost revival, right? I would love to see them give it like the Twin Peaks or X-Files treatment where they bring it back for another season or a mini series or something. Not a reboot, but like, you know, still set in the same mm-hmm. continuity. And the 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 thing is is on one hand I'd really like to see Jack Shepard on the other hand I don't want to see that actor get that role you know what I mean it's it's one yeah. of those tough things yeah I understand that it's it's hard when it's a character you really like I mean I was like because like Jack was never my guy yeah I don't know what it was I think you know I always end up gravitating to like I guess the um the lawful good character to do it in uh, in RPG terms, you know? And uh-huh. I just liked how in the pilot episode, the shit goes down. Like, the pilot of Lost may be one of the best pilots of TV ever. You immediately jump in, and Jack springs into action, starts saving people. He's tossing around orders. I love the, like, slow transformation of the character from a man of science to a man of more of a man of faith you know what I mean like that's kind Mm -hmm. of the whole story arc for Jack is he's very skeptical and then you know he leaves the island blah blah blah. I just really like the story arc and and how his character progressed and one of the coolest lines he has is in the finale when he's talking to bad John Locke and he's like we're gonna go to the center of the island where the light is in the cave we're going to turn it off and then I'm going to kill you. And then it cut to commercial break. Like you, you know, that gif where everybody post is all the dudes standing and they're like, Oh yeah, <laughs> that was my house when that happened that night. Oh, oh man. man. Yeah. It's a great show. It is. I love that show. Like I've sort of, I, I lost was weird. Cause I normally, it normally doesn't happen to me where I got out of lost and then got back into it. Normally, once I'm done with the show, I'm done. And, but, you know, I love that yeah. show, but it had its rough moments. Season three is a bummer at certain parts. Like, the middle part of season three is not good. I feel like season three starts fairly well and ends really well. But that middle part is tough to get through. Yeah, I got out, like, when they were doing, like, the, the Pablo and Nikki and, like, yep. all these people I didn't care about, that I got out. And I got back because they, I, you know, there was all this hype over something really big was going to happen. And then that was when they started doing the flash forwards. Yeah. And yeah. that that got me back into the show. Because that, I'm like, holy shit. Oh, like, what? what a, do you remember the episode that's a, a Jen and Son episode? I believe it's in season four. And you can't tell as you're watching the episode the first time whether you think it's a flashback, but then it turns out to be 
both a flashback and a flash forward. The gin part is a flashback and the sun part is a flash forward. And that's when oh, you that's find right. out. Yeah, you find out that sun got off the island, but Jen didn't. Oh, I just got chills talking about it. Oh, me too. Man, I have to say, like, the the stuff that that show did, like, playing around with, with the timeline. But, it like, it never felt gimmicky. It always mm-hmm. felt really well done. It never felt like a cop-out. Like, even when they did time travel, they didn't do time travel to change anything. Like, the, the they set up the rule, whatever happened, happened. You can't change that, you know? And I thought that was a really interesting way because a lot of times time travel is a cop-out. It's a way to go back and retcon or reset a decision or an event that you wrote yourself into a corner with, you know? <clears throat> and I always really liked how they did that and i don't know i just what are your feelings on damon lindelof you know i mean like beyond beyond lost i don't really know if i have any so you know he uh he did prometheus the uh alien prequel ish movie he also he was involved with the first two jj abrams star trek movies right um, oh, that's right. I I want to see what that dude would do in Star Wars. I know there are people that aren't fans of him because of Lost and because of Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, did you watch The Leftovers? I I didn't. I I started to, but it just bummed me out too much. Oh, it it, it is a it, it. There's no doubt that it's a bummer of a show. Jesse and I watched it over the summer, and I thought, you know for a three season fairly short experience I came away from it fairly satisfied and it definitely has that Damon Lindelof feel to it once you wrap it all up where you've got some answers but they leave a lot on the table for you to try to figure out yourself (laughs) and with J.J. Abrams involvement in Star Wars I just figured like that guy might get a shot at it at some point but you know I, I wonder if it's one of those situations where sort of the public backlash against him after the ending of Lost and Star Trek Into Darkness and other things may have. Yeah, and, and people mm. really don't like Prometheus, which I don't really have any sort of problem with. You know, I enjoy Prometheus pretty well. Like, is it a movie I, I watch all the time? No, but I thought it was fairly interesting, and I thought it was a um, a very, like, restrained prequel to Alien where... You know, if you think you hear about a prequel to Alien, you think it's going to be face huggers and xenomorphs and, you know, just full on alien all the time. And I, I kind of respected the fact that they didn't do that and went with something a little different. Yeah, but I think it actually it, it hurt them in that. And this is the audience's own fault is the audience had in mind what that meant that movie was going to be. Right. And so it would like in their heads. Oh, this is an alien prequel. When really it's just sort of set in the same universe. Right. It, it's a prequel, but it's not a direct prequel. Like, I, yeah. I, I understand, like, you know, maybe they could have done a little better with the the messaging and the marketing of that movie where they told you it's an alien prequel, but don't expect it to lead literally up to the opening moments of the original alien, you know? And maybe that would have helped, but I don't know. I, I thought it was all right. I like... um. Uh, what's his name as the the android um michael fassbender i thought he was all right in yeah. that role um 
the lady, the lady scientist, I can't remember the actress's name. I thought she was really good too. Yeah, and I think I think visually it's really solidly cool movie. Mhm. But once again, it's got that Damon Lindelof thing where it gives you a lot of pieces of the puzzle, but it doesn't explicitly tell you, "Oh, this is how the xenomorphs came to be or this is how the events of the original alien movies were set up you know yeah and some people just want like a much more straightforward like step-by-step story right and that, and that makes me wonder like if damon lindelof did a star wars movie or a tv show in that vein i think we might be in a ryan johnson situation where it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way yeah I think I think you're probably right there. But um I knew okay, as much as much as I love to talk about about Lost and other things, we should probably talk a little bit about Star Wars. Okay. Um the, ha, did you read about the Alphabet Squadron books that are now a trilogy and there's gonna be tie in comics? It seems like a next like big part of the like universe they're opening up. Yeah, it I I'll be honest. This is the one of, you know, I enjoy Star Wars books. I don't have a ton of time to uh, enjoy them lately because I prefer to listen to them in audio form. And Mm -hmm. all of my friends do do so many good podcasts that I have to get through my podcast before I listen to an audio book. You know what I mean? So that doesn't leave a lot of time. But I think this is one that I would be interested in making sure I set the time aside to take in. Because I really enjoyed um, the X-Wing series of books back in the day um, that were, you know, it it seemed sort of in this vein. Um, And, I you know, I I dig Starfighters and X-Wings and TIE Fighters and stuff. So it's it's Alexander Freed. Isn't that who's writing the book? The trilogy? Yes. Do yeah, you... and for those yeah, sorry, for those who don't know, it's uh, set on the verge of victory in a bitter war. Five New Republic pirates transform from hunted to hunters in this epic Star Wars adventure. Set after Return of the Jedi, Alphabet Squadron follows a unique team, each flying a different class of starfighter as they struggled in the world once and for all. I like I like the premise. I like the setting. Um, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. It sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah, I don't I don't love the name. I gotta Mm-mm. admit, Mm-mm. I really it sounds don't a like little it. like uh, Sesame Street or something. It sounds like it should be one of those like Count with Chewbacca yeah. books. Yeah. Why? Why do they call like? I, I guess I haven't done my research, but is that the actual name of the squadron? Or are they calling it that because you know they fly X wings and Y wings and? Uh, U wings and stuff. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. Like I, that was sort of my guess is that it was the latter, but maybe that's what they're actually called. I hope Which would not. be silly because th- I mean everybody flies an X wing or a Y wing or whatever. That's what they all do. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm not a huge fan of the name either. The premise is more up my alley than the name, and uh, I'm really excited to start exploring the timeline between. Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens more. And I feel like now that we're getting closer to Episode Nine coming out, they'll have more freedom to do that. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So, you know, stuff set in that timeline is always going to pique my interest. 
Yeah, it's I think it's a good place to explore because it's this mix of yes, there's still all these familiar characters around because in Star Wars love to do that, but just in terms of like the politics of that time, like what happens when an evil empire has just been brought down and you're trying to form a new government and yeah. what all that entails and you know like hunting down because it's not like you destroy the empire and everybody's gone right we, you know we've seen that in the aftermath books we've uh seen a little bit of that it looks like we're going to see a little bit of that in the mandalorian and um you know we've gotten little pieces of that so i'm excited for them to explore that more and see what that's like yeah and like like you said i mean obviously there's some stuff they're not going to tell us because we still have nine coming out and there's lots of stuff especially around ben solo that we don't know there but like once nine is over it seems like that's like just ripe for the picking yeah and i cannot wait now speaking of nine this this is like a week or so old now but the photo that john boyega put up on instagram Mm mm-hmm which is his hands and they're all dirty and like there's a cut on his thumb and he's bleeding. And the, the caption was, great working day on the set. The whole team pushed themselves today to achieve something visually crazy. I've had many moments of sh- shock on the set, but not like today. And I can't wait until you know why. And then it's hashtag FN2187. Yeah, I love little teases like that. I love when the actors do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And what I what I like about this is I like the idea of a really big, important, crazy action set piece mm-hmm. that Finn is hopefully front and center in. Yeah. I I kind of get the feeling, and this is just my personal thought, is that we're going to see probably sort of a, a three-pronged battle to end off Episode Nine, kind of like Return of the Jedi, where there's a a ground conflict going on and I can see Finn being the one that's like the Han Solo in Return of the Jedi. You know what I mean? Like in the mix, on the ground, Poe Dameron in his X-Wing up in the air doing shenanigans in the space battle, Nia Numb and Lando in the Falcon. Oh my goodness. And then... Oh man, I keep remembering that we get Lando. I can't wait. And then, you know, I think the personal moment, the Vader versus Luke with the Emperor type deal will be, you know, the Ray and Kylo going yeah. on all at once, cutting in between the three of those, and that prospect is super exciting. Yeah, and what I I'd I'd love to see it. I don't I don't know if there's enough room for it in the movie, but since you have Finn as, you know, the trooper who had this moment of, of conscious and overcame like it's been like lifetime of brainwashing. I I'd love to see Finn as like a leader turning some people in the first order around. I someone wrote into Blue Harvest about that this week as well, and I think that's a great idea. The one thing I would say is, have you've seen the deleted scenes from uh, the Last Jedi, right? Yeah. You know the scene where Finn and Phasma are facing off. Hey, Luna, she doesn't agree with me. 
um, where they're facing off and it's the alternate take where he's, you know, she's calling him a traitor and he's like, I'm a traitor. When I had you captured, you're the one that turned the shield off on the Starkiller base. You're the traitor. And then the stormtroopers turn their guns on Phasma and she kills them. To me, had they left that in, it would almost set up that idea of Finn turning people in the First Order to the side of the Resistance. It would have made that a little stronger, if that makes yeah. sense. Man, cause, yeah, because it's, it's, it's a lot to do in one movie if you don't have set up for it. Mm-hmm. I just, man, I love, I just love Finn. And I know he got, like, I, I like his stuff in The Last Jedi. I think it's really good, but I I would love to see him in a leadership role. Me too. I, I love Finn in um in Last Jedi. I love the stuff on Canto Bite. What's up? Um you know, I know a lot of people, even if they really like The Last Jedi, feel like that part isn't the, the greatest, but in some ways it feels like his character progression is treading water a bit in The Last yeah. Jedi, where, you know, he's still trying to and I realize it's like the next day, but, you know, he still doesn't want to be part of the resistance. And I feel like by the end of eight, he's firmly in the fight. He's dedicated to the cause. So, yeah, in episode nine, like, let's make him kick ass. Let's make him a leader. And you got to think after we, what's left of the resistance, like, you got to think like people like Finn and Ray and Poe are going to have fairly high standing within the resistance. So to me, it would make sense if we get a a general Finn, you know, or something to that effect. Yeah, and I and I'm hoping that that Rose is right there by his side. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm. You want to talk about a a hot toy? I would buy. I would pre-order the day it went up. Would be a Rose. Oh yeah, absolutely. Partially, I mean, yeah. Partially because I like the character, like. If you go back and listen to the Last Jedi reaction that we did on Blue Harvest, which you were part of, thank you again very much. Oh, yes. I said, I'm Rose. Like, the character I identified with in The Last Jedi was Rose. She was super excited to meet the heroes of Star Wars and was disappointed when one of them turned out not to be who she thought it was. She loves animals. Like, she wants to do (laughs) what's right. I identify with Rose. I don't get the issue. Yeah, I think she's great. And she could come with all sorts of cool accessories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, a Hot Toys Favier. Make it happen. Okay, I'll make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got another I got another quick-fire fuck my kill for you. Okay. This is from Andy Campbell. All right. Says, hey, Lindo and Haas, I have a fuck my kill for you both to discuss. Um, I'm, oh god damn it now I have to pronounce these names uh, C.O. Bibble who is the like the governor of Naboo yeah I don't know what his right? official title is but he has got a beard on him okay and then it's Slow and Low who is the don't, you can't park on the beach guy mm-hmm. and then Zam Wiesel who is the shapeshifter assassin Ooh. who goes after Padme okay this one's actually and, fairly okay, easy I will say first, uh, Andy says he can't decide other than he would marry Zamwazel, and he can't wait to see us both at Celebration. Oh, I can't wait to see Andy. Man, Celebration's going to be so awesome. So, okay, I'm going to kill C.O. Bibble. 
because eh, I just don't see the the appeal. Um, Lucio Bibble. Who was the second one? Uh, slow and Low. Uh, I guess I'll fuck Slow and Low. I mean, he's going to tell me I can't park there. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be like, hey, man, it'd be a lot cooler if your voice was details, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And thirdly, I'll marry Zam Wassell because she's a shapeshifter. Like, talk about mixing it up. Oh yeah, I mean, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, I like you fucked the shapeshifter, but no, that makes sense. It's a lifetime of surprises. That's true. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think I would marry Slow and Low. Like he seems like a nice, like he, he's a little bit grumpy, but he's just doing his job. Like you're not supposed to park there. Yeah, and well, I mean, he he kind of sounds like uh, people I interact with on a daily basis. You know, he's got that country draw going on. <clears throat> but thank you for that, Andy. Um, let's see what else is going on. Stars. Oh, the EA world like open world video game got canceled. This is the one that had been, I guess, sort of rebuilt from the ashes of the other game that got canceled before, mm-hmm. and went from like a. It sounded like okay. So th- the process was there was going to be this game, and it was going to had a really cool story. And then it got cut, and they're like, oh, we're going to make an open-world game instead. And then that is also now dead. Yeah. I can't wait until EA no longer has the exclusive license for Star Wars games. Like, And I've tried to remain positive you know, through the Battlefront 2 controversies with the loot boxes and everything. You know, I tried to stay on their side just because... It's Star Wars, it's video games, it's two th- it's like peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Two great tastes tasting great together. But they continually mess this up and uh, to me, the minute you get the Star Wars license, the game you should start working on day 1 is an open world Star Wars game. Yeah. I mean, people would devote their entire lives to that game. Mhm. And it just, how do you mess that formula up, you know? And and I understand that open world games require a lot of money. They require a long development cycle. But you have the license for 10 years. And if you spend six to seven of those years making the most incredible open world Star Wars game ever, I don't see how that doesn't make you serious bank in in profit and in fan regard you know ea has maybe the worst reputation as a video game developer and what better way to curry favor with fans is to knock than to knock it out of the park with an incredibly detailed awesome star wars game you know I, it just doesn't make sense to me yeah and then like i'm not even i'm not really a video game person much except for like i would play an open world star wars game i can't i can't do battlefront i don't particularly like shooters and also any anything that requires where it's just that constant like uh like fast twitch muscle action my mm-hmm. wrists are too bad like right. I, I can't play for more than like five minutes at a time and at that point it's sort of like what's the point but 
like an open world thing where I can like go and explore or like build a fucking Jedi temple. You know, this is the thing. I don't even professionally make video games and I feel like it's such an easy like concept to come up with ideas for that you have a, a, a company like EA who has some of the best video game developers in the world on their payroll imagine what they could do and i don't know man it, it, it's a real bummer because where so they got the license in i don't know i think like maybe april or may of 2013 so we're coming up on six years of them having the license and we've gotten two games both from the same series neither of which were received very well uh, i feel like the first one it was justified that it wasn't received well because there wasn't a lot to it. <clears throat> and then the second one wasn't re- received well because they went the corporate greed route and tried to squeeze every last dime out of their player base. And it's a shame because otherwise that game is incredibly solid from a gameplay and features standpoint. Yeah, I've I've watched other like I've watched you play it actually over over Twitch and it seems like the actual game is a lot of fun, but they started out with such bad will. Yep. When it, they first announced the loot box shit. Mhm. They basically ha- hamstrung themselves and had to dig themselves out of a hole, and honestly, I don't know that they've ever recovered from it because from what I understand, I I know a couple of people that may or may not have worked on some Star Wars video games in recent history. And from what I understand, there is no Battlefront 3 in the works right now. So that should go to show you, like, the Battlefront franchise before EA got a hold of it was very well regarded in Star Wars video game fandom. Uh, The second one especially, the original Battlefront 2, is one of those games that would constantly show up on best Star Wars games of all time lists and things Mm -hmm. like that. And... They've ran the name of that franchise into the ground over the last six years. Oh, I I just don't understand how there have only been like two games and they are, I mean, basically the same thing. Right. How that we haven't gotten a really solid story game yet. I mean, hopefully the, the next game will be, but and canceling this open world one now, it's just... Do they have anything in production? Is anything coming? They do. So they have, we have a game coming this year, knock on wood. And um, that's Fallen Order? Yes. And that's being okay. developed by Respawn, who did the two Titanfall games previously, which are excellent games. So I've got high hopes for it. Now, both of those Titanfall games are first person shooters. And from what I understand, that's not the route they're going with this. And I hope it's not because. I don't want a third game in the same genre. Like, I want some variety. And then apparently, this open world game is once again being restructured into a smaller scaled story-based game, possibly to be released next year. So, Mm, Or to be canceled again next year. (laughs) Third time's a charm, maybe. Or, yeah, like you said, it might get canceled again. Because I feel like when I... When I was younger, and I wasn't even really like into video games, but there was there were Star Wars games in like every genre of game. Yeah, and and this is what 
I I will blow out my voice screaming this. Back in the day, LucasArts made Star Wars games, but they didn't they weren't the sole developer that made Star Wars games. They took pitches from other companies, and if they liked the pitch, they would allow that company to use the Star Wars license. The perfect example of this is BioWare, who made the Knights of the Old Republic, the first one, right? And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I think that's what they should do. I think Lucasfilm should not sell an exclusive license to Star Wars games to any one company. I think they should take pitches, and if they like a company's pitch, allow them to buy a license to make that game and that way i think on one hand you would get a lot more games with in in many different genres and secondly i think it would foster sort of a hopefully friendly competition between these developers making star wars games to where they'd be like oh that's what ubisoft is doing well we're gonna one-up them and do this you know what i mean and i i think it would be better for Lucasfilm's video game reputation and for Star Wars fans that like to play video games. Yeah, and I think it was I think it was King Tom who tweeted this, which was like, How is there not an X Wing flight sim game out? I don't know. Which seems like the most obvious choice you could just put out. And look, I'm I realize it's still a video game and it's still really complicated, but you're not breaking new ground there. Like just make a solid flight sim game with Star Wars and people will love it. Yeah, and, and, and you know, in the 90s and 2000s, that was kind of Star Wars video games MO. They weren't really breaking new ground. They were taking an established game type and bas- basically putting a Star Wars skin on it. And sometimes that worked really well. Case in point, the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games or uh, the Old Republic, you know, taking like a Bioware RPG type game putting a Star Wars skin on it. And then other times you got things like Super Bombad Racing, which was like Star Wars Mario Kart, <laughs> which was not good. No. <coughs> but that was okay because you had so many other good games that were out. Mhm. I'm not I'm not expecting every Star Wars video game that comes out to be excellent, but give me the options, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm definitely someone who enjoys a variety of different game types. And I will play just about anything with a Star Wars skin on it. I don't know about a Star Wars sports game. Like a a robot football or droid football. I I don't think that sounds appealing to me. But almost anything else I could do. Um, Has there ever been a Star Wars fighting game like a la Tekken or Mortal Kombat or any of those (laughs) there was and it is infamously terrible Masters (laughs) Masters of Terrace Kasi which actually got a shout out in Solo Um, when Kira kills uh, his name is Kay Tolsai it's the the Pike character that details played on Kessel and Beckett is like, what was that? And she goes, Terrace Kasi, Dryden taught it to me. That is a shout out to a horrible 3D fighting game from the 90s. Okay, well, first of all, that's a terrible fucking name. Like, if you're going to have a title, it needs to be something that I would automatically recognize as being a thing from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they had, so, you know, 
you had your your expected players, your Luke, your Leia, your Han, Chewbacca, Boba Fett, Darth Vader, right? And then they also threw in like a original character and there was a Tusken Raider that you could play as in this fighting game who's they didn't just call Tusken Raider, they gave it a name and its name was H O A R. Whore. Oh my god. Awful. Oh my god. I'm looking at pictures of it right now and it's insane looking. Okay. Well, I still maintain you could do a good Star Wars fighting game, but Oh, you could. But that one looks really bad. I did not know that exist. It makes me happy that it does. Oh, it's it is cl- classically infamous. And and not okay. just Star Wars video games, video game in general, video games in All general. Right. I'm going to I'm going to take a deep dive down a Wikipedia YouTube hole later. But <laughs> <laughs> See, the beard of knowledge always comes in handy. <laughs> um, okay, what I want, uh, I want to talk a little bit about resistance. Okay. Um, because last week's episode, right? I think is a great one for you to talk about. Oh, because you... this is Bebo or Bibbo. Yeah. It is creature tastic. It is. I want to ask you something. Have you ever seen Jaws Part Three? Which one is part three? Part three is that the was the one, 3D one. Yes, the one that's set okay. in like a um, Sea World type environment. Yes, and there's the dolphins. Yes, yes. That this episode of Resistance, I swear, had to be in some way inspired by Jaws three because the plot of Jaws three is they capture a baby great white who's sick and they try to nurse it back to health and it dies. And the mama great white finds out and attacks Sea World, and obviously it's a not not a one to one plot similarity. But in this episode of Resistance, they find a baby creature who Nico adopts and becomes instantly attached in and fond of, and then the mama finds out and comes and attacks the Colossus Station. Yes. I will say, what I didn't remember until this morning when I was putting together show notes is we saw a very, very similar thing in Forces of Destiny. We did, didn't we? I forgot yeah, about it that. Was, it was a Padme one, and it was, I don't think they had like intentionally gotten this, cre- it wasn't like a pet situation, but this there was they were on this pier, and it was like a storage thing that this little baby had gotten either captured or stuck in. And so the mama sea creature, who I, I think maybe even looked a lot like this one, was was attacking the place, and then Padme figures it out and reunites them. You're completely right. I did not remember that, and I can't believe... Wow, you're right, yeah. Um, you know, starting this episode, within the first few minutes, I was like, ooh, I don't know about this one. Maybe this one's not going to be my favorite. I uh, I really like the character of Sonara. I'm really excited to see where they go with her character. Because um, at first I thought she was just going to be sort of a one-off character in that episode where they rescue her from the monkey lizards. Yes. <laughs> and it's becoming quite clear that she's a major player in the show. In fact, her figure is one of the figures in the first wave of Resistance figures. So... um. It was cool to see her again. I just, you know, I just was, after that cool trailer, 
I was like, man, this they're probably going to kick it off with a bang. And then it starts off with like, you know, some Star Wars resistance comedy and some cute creature stuff, which I'm a fan of. But, you know, I was kind of amped for the heavy shit, you know? Yeah, um, that was that was a bit of a shame because I feel like, like I liked this episode. I thought it was cute. I, you are right that if if this had been in the first half of the season, before that, like super intense, we're going to war trailer. Yes, yes. Um, I will say that as the episode went on, though, I got into it quite a bit more when Kaz started doing his heroics and and all the cool flight stuff, which I still think is some of the cooler looking and produced animation is the in the show is the you know, the aces doing their thing. I like that and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm really a fan of resistance. Like, I think it helps that the first couple of trailers did a good job of telling me, like, don't expect it to be too serious. Just go in Mm -hmm. and expect it to be fun and colorful that I didn't have unrealistic expectations for it going in. And I think that helped my initial enjoyment of the show to where I, I really like it. Um, but I am getting to the point where I'm ready for stuff to ramp up. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm getting a little bit antsy. Um, n- no spoilers. I watched the one from today and there's some stuff right at the end where you go, oh, that's becoming something. Okay. But it was, so it was, but it is still just another, like it's not quite as like cutesy mm-hmm. as the Bibbo one. But I'm still, I'm like, where's all the stuff that we saw in that trailer? Yeah, and I need to do some some research and see how many episodes we have left this season. I'm not sure how many it is. Um, I'll be interested to see because I think that might clue us in on when things start to ramp up a little bit. You know, if it's if we're still eight episodes out, we've probably got at least another couple of episodes of sort of build up to the big stuff yeah that's true now did you did you think that bibbo was cute or ugly i don't know i'm i'm not an amphibian guy a whole okay. lot like i think they're cool but i've never seen the appeal in having like a pet snake one of my roommates did in college and it was cool like his name was Merlin. Like, I would go in and take him out of his cage and hold him sometimes. He was a ball python, super friendly, like, was never, like, bitey or anything like that. But it's just not the same as having, like, a dog or a cat, you know? Yeah. You just, I don't feel like you get that same bond. Like, I had a iguana as a kid, and I loved that iguana. I loved feeding him crickets, watching him bask on his heat rock. But I never was, like oh, my iguana is going to sit on my lap and chill with me. I feel like this iguana has some sort of affection for me, you know? He wasn't like your iguana friend. No, he was my iguana roommate who, or (laughs) actually my iguana overlord, because I fed him, I cleaned out his cage, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't really do anything besides just let me serve him, you know? Yeah. You can't like, you can't like wrestle around with an iguana. No, I slapped the shit out of you with that tail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. And I know you don't like t- t- scary ocean creatures, so. 
<clears throat> no, uh, that is one of my all-time fears is large underwater creatures. I don't like sharks, giant squids. Like, Jesse is obsessed with swimming with whale sharks, which I understand are incredibly gentle and pose no real threat to people, but it still sounds terrifying to me. Jesse wants to get in a shark cage. You know what I mean? No. No. I I would have a heart attack. Like, Jesse, if we went on, like, a a vacation and we went in a shark cage, she would be on Twitter being like, y'all, Hall's died. He had a heart (laughs) attack in a shark cage. You would die, like, before the cage even goes under the water. Yeah. She'd be like, there weren't even any sharks around. He just died from anxiety. Yeah, I couldn't. The only thing like sea creatures I could deal with is manatees. Manatees are awesome. If I could swim with manatees, I would swim with manatees. Okay, see, we're on the same page here. Manatees, seals. I swam with sea lions in the Dominican Republic, and it was one of the highlights of my life. It's like being in the water with a dog. Like, they're so cool. That kind of stuff I'm totally cool with. Seals, manatees, sea lions, um trying to think of any other dolphins i think are cool they freak me out a little bit because i feel like they're smarter than me and if like they caught like if they caught the slightest hint like oh i could take this dude out pretty easily they might jump on the chance yeah and they have those noses they can hit you with yeah yeah i'm, I'm just afraid that a, a dolphin's gonna be like this guy is not it's not the most able-bodied i'm just gonna grab him and take him under and see what happens yeah, dolphins seem like they could, like, kill you just for fun. Yeah, and once again, I think they're amazing creatures. I think sharks are amazing. I just don't want anything to do with them. I don't want to be in the water with them. Like, I saw Jaws when I was way too young. Too young, in fact, that I was afraid there was a shark in my parents' pool when I was a kid. So, <laughs> Oh, those infamous pool sharks. Mm-hmm. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I'm just freaked out. Like, like I think whales are amazing, mm-hmm. but there's something about it, like when you actually see the scale of them, terrifying. That does something to my head. Yes, they're so big. Like I think whales are beautiful. I would love to go whale watching on a boat, like a nice, stable, sturdy boat. I just don't yeah. want to be in the water with them because I don't think like a blue whale would hurt me on purpose. But let's say like. What if I get sucked into a blue blue holes uh, a blue whale's blowhole, a- Emily? I'm not Jonah. <laughs> I can't survive that shit. Yeah, because I feel like with a whale, it's sort of like how I'm just gonna step on an ant and not even realize it. Right. It wouldn't even be on purpose. Yeah. No. The and and the ocean just has too much shit in it that we don't know. Like I feel like every couple of years, scientists be like, "Oh, here's this." fish from prehistoric times that we thought was extinct turns out it's totally alive and has lots and lots of teeth and it looks like a damn nightmare like oh ugh. yeah Mm-mm. no an angler no. fish if oh, i oh that's what i was just gonna say <laughs> if i saw an angler fi- like if i was swimming and an angler fish swam up to me i i don't know what i would do with myself like they tear and i i realized they're not even that big like, if it came down to man versus anglerfish, I could win. But I don't want to be in that position. Well, because anglerfish, like, what the fuck's happening, evolution? How? How, how is that a thing? I mean, it's, it's, 
there's something inherently to me, like if I look at a spider, you know, people are like, oh, they're so cool. They're so like graceful. I see pure fucking evil. Like when I see a spider, I think, oh, maybe demons do exist. And that's them on earth, a spider. That's what an anglerfish is to me. Like it's, it looks evil. It's got a dangling light on its forehead that it uses to lure in prey to devour with razor sharp teeth. I cannot deal with the, hey, this is a living creature with a light. So weird. So weird. Yeah, it, it does my head in. I can't. No. I stay out of the ocean. I like going to the ocean. Yeah, me too. But I want to stay where it's, I'm just like wading in the ocean. Yeah, I, I love going to the beach. I love swimming in the ocean. But I want to be able to place my feet on the floor of the ocean. Anything past that and I get a little dicey. Have you seen the movie Open Water? Uh, I tried. I tried. And there's certain movies that just give me too much anxiety because inherently I do the, oh, what would I do in this situation? And a movie like that, it's not It's not good. You know? Yeah. I think I'm just purposely going under and sucking in a huge lung full of water. At some point, I think that might have to be like my best course of action. You know, like... I would like to think that I have the personal strong will to get through something like that, but I don't think I do. No, a lot of times when I'm watching like survival movies or horror movies, my thought goes to, how am I going to kill myself in this situation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Because I don't, I don't want to be killed by like Jason Voorhees. Like I'd rather just shoot myself in the head. Yeah, and, you know, I'm that's something we have in common that I've found. That we're, we're both fans of the horror movies, right? And I've got an affection for the 80s slasher movies because that's what was big when I was a kid and should not have been watching those movies. So things like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, uh, uh, you know, Friday the 13th. Like Hall- Hall- yeah, Halloween, yeah. Those don't really bother me because they're at a certain point, almost a parody of themselves. It's when you get into like open water or home invasion movies. I'm not a huge fan of. Home, I can't, yeah. I cannot deal with home invasion movies. They, I, I start to have anxiety attacks. Have like, you I, seen, I, I, um, have you seen hereditary yet? Oh man. Uh, that I, movie fucked me in the head, man. Jesse and I watched it just a couple of weeks ago and it's so good. Like, I'm also fairly cynical with horror movies where, you know, I've seen so many of them and like I'm hardly ever actually scared by a horror movie anymore. But Hereditary was one that actually affected me. And I thought the writing and the acting was super solid. It was one of the rare instances where I didn't see the twist coming or or what was actually going on coming. And I really love when a horror movie can can do that. Yeah, it's it's intense, and because it starts off, and I'm like, okay, this is just going to be this sort of, like, examination of grief, and there might be some supernatural stuff around the edges, and then it just becomes this whole other movie. Yes, it's, and, the, it's oh. the definition of a slow burn, for sure. Yeah. and But once it starts burning, though, it's a wildfire. It goes crazy yeah. quick. 
because I saw that one in the theater, and and I oh. won't give away, but I will just say, so you know what I'm talking about, the car scene. I I I don't know if I've ever experienced a theater react to something like that. I can only imagine the silence afterwards, like the like, the gas. N- nobody could believe it. Yeah, I couldn't believe it, and then. So, uh, you know, I was kind of like you. I was sitting there going, well, this is supposed to be a horror movie, but maybe it's a horror movie from a different angle. Like, maybe it is about the horror of grief within a family. And then, boy, does it turn into something completely else. Yeah, it's it's wild. I kind of want to go back to that one now that I know what it is yes i love doing that i love going back and watching a movie after i know what the end game and the final twist is to catch all the hints in in imagery and stuff leading up to it that tries to clue you in on what's going on yeah that's that's what i want to go back to yeah me too okay so let's i don't think we have any more star wars news but we do have some emails yeah, and I know Jesse is yeah. very excited for you to get to the <laughs> fuck Mary Kill she sent me. Okay, we'll do that one first. And okay. she sent in like a few of them. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> All right. And her email is Hey, Emily, since Haas is guesting, I thought it would be appropriate for me to send in a couple of fuck Mary Kills for you guys. All right. The first one is Jakku Ray, Octu Ray, or Boba Fett. Oh, see. Ooh, okay. This one's tough because I feel like neither version of Ray would put up with my shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she's like a Jakku Ray would be like, you can't scavenge shit. You don't know how to repair anything. Like what value do you serve me? And then like Octu Ray would be like, uh, you aren't Kylo Ren. What do you know about the force? Ah. Uh, but see, in that situation, I'm killing Boba Fett. And that's hard. Now, yeah. the question becomes between the other two. Man. She knew she knew she was backing me into a corner. See? Like, th- th- this, she's been waiting for this moment. You should see the <laughs> smile she has on her face right now. It is dimples and smile ear to ear. Uh, oh, just wait, because I read the rest of this email. <laughs> oh, no. They get worse? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so... um, hmm, Man, this one's a tough one. This is the toughest one so far. And I feel like I'm jinxing myself by saying that. Um, I guess I'll go... Mary Octu Ray because she's she's confident at this point like she's already told Kylo to fuck off well it's not Octu I guess not if she's Octu Ray that would be more like Crate Ray right like oh yeah Ray on Crate is more like the she's so determined on Octu like yeah I'm gonna marry Octu Ray and uh I guess I'm having sex with Jakku Ray I don't really have a reasoning for that. I just, that's the way it plays out. But man, was that, that's a difficult choice for me. That's a hard one. I mean, I would, like, well, I mean, well, you know, I don't have the same affection for Boba Fett you do, but really I'm only killing Boba Fett because I can't kill Ray. Exactly. Like, there's no version of Ray that I can kill. 
that was my exact reasoning. I can't bring myself to kill any version of Ray. So my boy Boba Fett goes down. Like, look, I didn't I didn't put the knife in Boba Fett's back. George Lucas did when he threw him in the Sarlacc pit, so he can't blame me. <laughs> yeah, you don't want Boba Fett to be mad at you. Oh well. Or I guess the ghost of Boba Fett to be mad oh. at you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. Horror edition. Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Angela from Sleepaway Camp. Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> it's fun. You know, Jesse had never seen Sleepaway Camp. Until, oh, wow. Until about, and maybe even last week, because they put the first three of them up on Amazon, right? And I was watching Sleepaway Camp while she was doing stuff around the house, and you know, in complete honesty, Sleepaway Camp is not a movie that requires your full attention, but I no. <laughs> had to make sure that Jesse was there when the big final the scene. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. was like, you got to pay attention. She was on her phone and I was like, I'm not trying to be rude. Pay attention to what's about to happen. And like she, the look on her face, I was like, yeah, I saw that movie when I was like five. Imagine that. <laughs> That's too young for Sleepaway Camp. Imagine the confusion. Um, And then I tried to watch Sleepaway Camp 2 and only made it about halfway through before I had to turn it off. Anyways, um, I'm killing Angela from Sleepaway Camp. Um, Now, this is the problem. Like, I don't know that a, a married existence to the other two gentlemen, if you want to call them that, Actually, you know what? I'm going to change this. I'm going to kill Freddy Krueger because I think Freddy Krueger of all the horror movie villains is the one that deserves to die the most. He's my favorite slasher, but he's also a kid killer. Yeah. So I'm going to kill Freddy. All right. So I guess... I guess I guess I have to fuck Angela from Sleepaway Camp and marry Jason Voorhees. Because at least yeah, I get to go yeah. camping all the time with Jason Voorhees. I don't know. Well, so I don't I don't think <laughs> obviously I thought about this way too much. I don't think you can sleep with Jason Voorhees because Jason Voorhees has the mind of like a six year old. That is an excellent point. See, this that is an excellent point. I knew, like, I didn't have a solid reason, but I knew somewhere deep down inside me, I knew that was the correct answer, and now I know why. And I also think, all right, child killing aside, and if you go with the horrible, horrible remake, child molestation aside, Freddy Krueger would just get really annoying. Too many one-liners, right? Yeah. Like I, like, I love a good dad joke and a one-liner, but not f- every day, all day. Yeah. You know? Not too much. And, like, the one time I can escape being married to Freddy Krueger is when I go to sleep at night, and his ass would be in my dreams, too. I'd be like, yeah, and then, like, you have, like, you know, like, tongues come out of phones, nope. and suddenly you're a cockroach. Nope. Nope. That's no good. All right. Next is the office edition. And this is Michael, Pam, and Creed. Uh, Mary and Pam. Uh, 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 
Michael, Pam, and Creed. Um, like I said, I'm marrying Pam. I'm probably killing Creed because Creed's got a dark history. He's been a cult member both as a follower and as a leader. You have more fun as a follower, but you make a lot more money as a leader. Yeah, so I'm killing Creed Bratton like he killed Creed Bratton before him. Some people forget that um, that's that piece of storyline about Creed. He's like, you don't ever mess with Creed Bratton. The last person that did, his name was Creed Bratton. So that insinuates that Creed Bratton killed someone named Creed Bratton and took his name. <clears throat> and then I guess I'm having sex with Michael Scott because, I mean, it's going to be shameful. He's going to tell everyone in the office about it. I don't know, man. Man, Creed Bratton. I just want to do Creed. one. He might be my favorite. I want to do one cartwheel. One glorious cartwheel. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for the last one? Absolutely. All right. My, by which I mean Jesse's, sisters. No, I am just not. kidding. Just kidding. I just wanted to see this look of horror on your face when you pose the question. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. That's an oh my god. <laughs> I, you know, I came into this and I was like, I know I'm gonna get because people have been reaching out to me, being like, oh, wait till you hear my fuck Mary kill. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be the best sport. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna break them down. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing they're going to be able to throw at me that's going to and and then that happens. Oh my god! I I had to let you off the hook very quickly on that one. Like, it, look, if you were Johnny or somebody, I would have let you dangle a little bit more, but I can't. I can't do that to you, Haas. She's still laughing. <laughs> oh my goodness! Prank superstar Jesse over here. I love you, Jesse. Oh my god. Oh, I got a, almost an immediate headache. <laughs> I mean, look, we do some fucked up shit on our show, but we don't, we don't, we don't go that far. Thankfully, oh my goodness. All right, now we have some some non. We're over. We're we're all done with the fuck Mary kills. Okay, all right, I can relax a little bit. <laughs> we got we got a question from Jim. Jim's a good dude. And always has always has something. And I like that this is apparently the question he thought of when he heard you were going to be on the show. And this is titled, A Kind of Shitty Question. <laughs> Dear Canto Bite Pod and the Beard of Knowledge, what do you think the toilet situation is like aboard the Morning Falcon? I've looked mm. at some diagrams of the ship. I don't care if they're care or not. And it appears it does have a toilet. Where I'm confused is, though, is how the toilet works. In The Force Awakens, when Rey flips the ship, BB-8 starts to fall towards the ceiling. Wouldn't this mean that every time someone flips the ship, all the water in the toilet goes flying everywhere, or is it some kind of waterless toilet? Hmm. Also, shouldn't there be straps in the toilet or something to keep your ass to the seat? I mean, what if you're taking a dump and hand decides to flip the ship? You would be on the ceiling covered in your own shit. Oh Plus, my God. Han probably does that on purpose all the time just to mess with people. Anyway, long story short, how would you envision the toilet on the Falcon to work? Thanks again for your great podcast, your Canto Bitch listener, Jim. Oh, my goodness. Okay. 
I guess I'm going to have to really put thought into this, right? Something I, I've surprisingly yeah. never thought about. Huh. I'm going to throw a wrinkle into this. Imagine the shit that Chewbacca takes. Oh, God. For one, I don't know that you can have the same size toilet for a Han Solo and a Chewbacca. So that means one of two things. The toilet is huge. And if you're a regular sized human character in Star Wars, like you might fall in or it's a small toilet and Chewbacca obliterates that thing every time he has to go. Oh, man. Um, I imagine it has to be sort of like a toilet on the space station where there is no water. It's like a vacuum type situation. Yeah. If there is Maybe water. Maybe you're just like, like strapping on a bag. Yeah. Oh, I see. This is one of those things where I'm always like, man, it'd be cool to live in the Star Wars universe until you get to the mundane everyday stuff. And you got to figure out how you do that. This is one of those situations where, like, maybe there is water in the Millennium Falcon's toilet, and maybe it just has, like, one of those sliding Star Wars doors over it when it's not in use. You know, the pst doors. Yeah, it has, like, a really, really strong seal. Yeah. Oh, man. And, yeah, a strap situation would have to be employed. Unless it's on, like, a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, oh. Like, unless it's in one of those special rooms that's always, like, right side up, kind of like the Sphero BB-8. What oh, so it has, like, a gyroscope. It's a like gyroscopic room. bathroom. It's a Star Wars bathroom. <laughs> so it's always st- sitting straight. See, I could be a Star Wars engineer. Just put a, sky- a gyroscope in it, guys. Oh, man. Ooh. Man. Taking a shit in space. Because, I mean, you're definitely just, like, jettisoning it into space. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you think that asteroid belt is in Empire Strikes Back? That's, like, 40% doo-doo. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, it's not it's not pleasant to think about. So, thank you for putting that in my head, Jim. Now, like, when <laughs> I go to watch Star Wars next, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. When BB-8's falling down, I'm going to be thinking, what's happening to all that shit? Or if, like, there's a scene on the Falcon and everybody but one character is there. And you're like, oh, I wonder where uh, Han Solo is at this point. Oh, he's taking a dump. Yeah. Taking a dump and hoping that they don't have to flip the ship upside down. <laughs> right. I mean, that is... That's going to be the most undignified way to die in Star Wars. Is you're taking a shit... The ship flips, you fall and break your neck. Oh. And then oh you're covered goodness. in your own shit. Oh. That's like um it's like the uh trying to think of a good analogy. I was gonna say like that's the Rob Liefeld Star Wars script, but I don't know about that. <laughs> oh god damn it, he sucks. Yes he does. Have you seen uh that new X Men character he came up with? Oh my goodness. Agent X, uh, I think it's called, uh, or something. He's so he's so bad. He is. Pouches and tiny feet. You want to? I'm going to tell you. Feel free to cut this story out, but since we're talking about Rob Liefeld, I just thought this was a funny story, right? Um, 
I'm going to keep the names out to protect the innocent. But I knew this guy who lived in a state where perhaps marijuana marijuana was not legal, right? Mm-hmm. And he would buy marijuana from this guy who also happened to be a huge star or a comic book fan. And how he would describe the quality of weed that this person was buying was using different comic book personalities. So if it was really good weed, he would be like, I got some Chris Claremont. If it was really bad weed, it was Rob Liefeld weed. Love it. I thought it was funny. Or when this guy told me that, I mean. <laughs> no, that's that's a very that's a very good story that you definitely heard like third hand and nobody's implicated in any way. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. We all uh, Okay, this is quite the uh the whiplash turn in terms of questions but okay. we got an uh, email from Catherine Neen who's oh, also right going to be at Celebration hell yeah all these people from Australia come in <laughs> I know man it's going to be so awesome I feel like um, last Celebration there was a huge group of people I was excited to see and this time it's like double that even it's, it's going to be an intense couple of days it I'm is very excited for it have you ever been so to chicago people. yeah because i grew up um like my hometown's about three hours away. okay okay cool hey what's what's it like in chicago i'm a little anxious um i mean i haven't i haven't been there probably since like the high school but it's it's a nice city i mean look there's places you don't want to go in chicago because it's a big city right there's you know there's places everywhere you don't want to go but it's also like it's really pretty. There's lots of cool shit to do. Okay. Lots of good food. Really good museums. Um, the Shed Aquarium is amazing. Oh, see, you know, I'm so excited about the Star Wars of it all. But Jesse and I have been looking into some non-Star Wars activities, and Navy Pier and the Aquarium are two that are really high on our list to try and check out while we're there. Yeah, the aquarium one, like, I definitely did that on, like, some, some trips and stuff when I was a kid. They have beluga whales. Mm. That's like my cat Walter in whale form. <laughs> oh, my God, it totally is. They're just all nice and, like, smiley and shit. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're one kind of, like, non-scary whale. I think I might actually swim with a beluga whale. Because they're not that big, if I'm thinking correctly. Like, they're big. No, they're not. Not, like, in terms of, like, whales. Yeah, they're, like, maybe the size of two mastiff dogs. Not, like, yeah. bigger than my house. Yeah, you could. Ha- I think you could hang out with a beluga whale. You yeah. could become your friend. I like, I like your, your line of thinking. But, no, I think... I think People will have a good time in Chicago. I'm glad to hear it. Okay, so Catherine says, Hello, Canto Fighters. I want to talk about something that's been on my mind for a while. There's been a lot of talk around the question of, will Kylo be redeemed? Some people argue he will be redeemed by the end of Episode 9, as Vader was redeemed. Others say Kylo can't be redeemed due to his involvement in Starkiller Base and killing Han. I might be pedantic about the word, but for me, redemption is fully making up for something. I don't believe Vader is redeemed, but I do believe he moved away from the dark side. 
Do I think Kyle can be redeemed? No. But I do believe that Ben will move back towards the light side to try to find a balance. This may be a nitpick, but shouldn't we set the standard for redemption high? What are your thoughts? Sorry for a serious email. I will continue to try to devise a great fuck, very kill for you, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> no, Catherine, actually, it's good, I think, after hey, I, after fuck, very kill, and toilets. like <laughs> I love the variety. Like, I'm all about that. So, yeah. You know, this is... This, I feel like, is maybe the big question from episode nine. And it's been a question that's been personally on my mind since I saw The Force Awakens. Because I feel like the general story arc for Darth Vader throughout the prequels into Return of the Jedi is his rise, his fall, and his, for lack of a better term, redemption. You know? And I feel like Vader's redemption, right... On a, on a certain level is not galaxy-wide by any means. There's no mm-hmm. way the galaxy's like, oh, he turned good and killed the emperor. I don't even think most people know that, as has been established. But I think his redemption is more personal. He's redeemed in the eyes of his son, Luke Skywalker, you know? And he's redeemed in some sort of weird metaphysical force way in the eyes of the force and in Yoda and, and Obi-Wan he's redeemed, but she's actually absolutely right. There's no way that killing the emperor and bringing balance to the force absolves Vader of all the horrible shit he did. Right. So, um, I feel like if Kylo is to be redeemed in episode nine, I still, still hold tight to the fact that I think it's possible, but not without some sort of self-sacrifice, much in the same vein as Darth Vader. And I think in that way, he will be redeemed on a personal level, redeemed in the eyes of Ray, redeemed in the eyes of his mother and, um, you know, his former master, Luke Skywalker, and things of that nature. Once again, it will not, in my eyes, make up for the fact that he killed Han Solo. It will not make up for the fact that he was complicit in the events of Starkiller Base. Yeah, I think I think I I tend to get hung up on the word redeemed. Yeah, and in, it's in, in easy, a lot of way that Catherine's talking about. It's so easy to do because, and see, this is the thing. Like, I love Star Wars. I love deep diving into Star Wars and taking it very seriously. But at the end of the day, it's not its not an analogy really for the real world, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Like, it's, it's pulpy sci-fi fantasy. So it's, it's redemption in the way that like a comic book redemption goes down, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And I, I, I feel like sometimes like my whole problem like around the word is I feel like people people use it to be like oh like like vader is a good guy by the end or oh kylo will be a good guy at the end and like that's where i sort of go oh i don't i don't want like redemption if it means we're talking about them like they're suddenly heroes yeah and i don't know you know i'm by no means a professional writer but i'll tell you this i I find some sort of beautiful 
corny George Lucas it all rhymes poetry and the idea that Kylo Ren who he aspires to be the most as Darth Vader at least what we've seen right in the first two movies he's got a real hard on for his grandfather wants to finish what he started and things like that but what if Kylo's last act is being Darth Vader but not the evil Darth Vader being the Anakin Skywalker who sacrificed himself to bring balance to the galaxy and to the force. Like, I don't, I don't want to overuse the term beautiful, but that's got sort of this beautiful symmetry to it where, okay, so you are, you, you did finish what your grandfather started, but the good part, not the bad part, not the evil part where you want to rule and subjugate that the galaxy. Yeah. And because, if Kylo survives, like, and if he, you know, stops being Kylo and tries to go back to being Ben and is alive, then you have the question of, well, what does the galaxy do with him? I've contemplated that too. And I think the way you do that is he has to go into uh, exile. Like, he can't just reintegrate into society and be, everybody be cool with him, you know? Like, he would have to be exiled in a way that's more, um, maybe not the best term, but punishment than what Yoda did when he went into exile, or what Obi-Wan did, or what Luke did. Like, to me, he would have to, like, he can't just be part of the, the good guys and everything be cool if he's going to survive, there yeah. has to be some sort of consequence. Because if he's alive, I'm like, oh, yeah, he, you know, he killed, well, I don't know, because there's no other, like, huge bad guy to kill, like, all of the Empire. But he did such and such, and he destroyed the First Order. But now we sort of have to try him for war crimes? Yeah. For all those, like, millions of deaths that he's responsible for? Right. Hey, I want to pose a question to you. This is a little bit of a debate that Will and got, I got into this week on Blue Harvest. Do you feel, we were talking about Hux, and he was like, we haven't really seen Hux, like, kill anybody. And my argument was, we saw him kill thousands, if not millions of people, when he ordered the destruction of the Hosnian system. And he was like, yeah, but he didn't pull the trigger. Like, I don't, I might be misremembering this, because I record, and then almost it's like i've got uh, that movie memento syndrome where i kind of forget what we talked about so but i brought up the argument well then do you feel that tarkin isn't responsible for the destruction of alderaan because he didn't push the button that destroyed alderaan to me hux is responsible for giving the order like it's his idea he tells snoke like Starkiller base is ready. We should fire that on the Republic. And Tarkin gives the order to blow up Alderaan. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, Definitely. No, I'm on your side there. I mean, if... I mean, pulling the, the actual trigger or not, he's responsible for it. I mean, Hux is... Not not to get too far into real-world analogies, but if Hux isn't Hitler, he's at least, like, Eichmann. Right. Right. <clears throat> and I can't remember how we got into this. I think it was, it all stemmed from a, T a King Tom question, actually. So, yeah, I just, like you, I don't feel like, 
like I know a lot of people are like, well, Kylo can be redeemed because Vader was redeemed and he killed a lot of kids. Now, if we are putting that in real world terms, Vader is not redeemed. You know, he did kill kids. Like, yeah, if you, kids who trusted him, right? If like you looked up to him, if you want to absolve him of killing all the Jedi, which I still think is fucked up, I say you can do that because it's like in war or something goofy like that. Yeah. But the kids, that one's a tough pill to swallow. I still say, from a fan standpoint, killing Han Solo, one of, if not the most popular characters in Star Wars history, holds more weight to the fans than killing those kids who yes they were kids it's terrible you don't want to see that but you don't know who they are as characters there weren't like character development with those kids right with han solo we've had 40 years to adore this character and have our ideas about who this character is and you know harrison ford's crazy career afterwards and like to me that's the hurdle the hurdle you have to get over in trying to quote unquote redeem Kylo in the sequel trilogy is how do you do that in a way that the fans will go okay I mean you killed Han Solo my favorite character but we're cool you know and that's a tough job yeah yeah because with well I mean even with Vader I mean because we didn't like the kid thing came later I mean prequels like but it was later exactly like we saw him, like, murder either, like, he, either he's killing other Imperial dudes, which we don't care about, or it's a bunch of faceless rebels, really. Right. Obi-Wan. And so, yeah, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's rough, but it was it was one, you know, like, one movie as opposed to 40 years. Right. And so when he saves Luke, our main guy, and kills the Emperor, you can you can balance that on your fandom sheet. Right. Now, so how would you feel if Kylo and, and like I understand that, you know, JJ Abrams got a lot of flack for some of the similarities between The Force Awakens and A New Hope. And I understand that, you know, he's going to want to try to avoid that with this next movie. But on the same level, I feel like there are certain elements of Star Wars that kind of just have to be in place. You know, like it's like when you put together a jigsaw puzzle and you do the outer rim and then you fill in the the middle, you know, I feel like that outer rim are certain themes within Star Wars that kind of have to be there. And... I feel like, what if Kylo sacrifices himself to save Leia or Rey? Is does that hold enough weight with the fans who adore Han Solo for them to forgive him? With Leia, I think it might. With Rey, personally, I know that that would be a big deal for me. So, you know, it's one of those things. Like I remember in the lead up to the Last Jedi, I believe it was maybe a call-in show that Steele did, or maybe just a regular episode, and it was him and Sal, Sal Perales. And they were talking about something, and I can't remember what, but they said, you know, that's not how I think they should go, but it's not up to me. It's up to them to write it in a way that if they do do that, 
then it's, it's cool with me, you know? And that's how I feel about Kylo in episode nine. If they are going to try and redeem him in some fashion, it's up to them to come up with a really kick-ass way and a really satisfying way to do that. Yeah, and I think I think that's why you gotta kill him. Yeah, I I I don't see how he makes it out alive. And to me, the fact that they're stressing that this is the last episode of the Skywalker saga, because I feel like people discount Kylo as being a Skywalker because his last name isn't Skywalker, but he is. He's part of the Skywalker yeah. lineage. To me, that means most likely we end this movie without any Skywalkers to carry on the legacy. I still firmly believe that at some point in episode 10, 11, 12 will be in the cards, but I feel like they're going to be the beginning of a new legacy. Maybe it's the, the Ray legacy <clears throat> who I truly feel like should be the one to carry on the torch. I don't care if she's not a Skywalker to me. She's just as good as a Skywalker. She doesn't need that, that last name to make me feel like she embodies what I feel a Skywalker should be, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I feel like if you, if you kill Kylo and like, he's done something redemptive, you can, you can be satisfied either way. Like you can have the people who see it as his last heroic action and think it makes up for it all. And that's fine. And then I could also sit there feeling like, thank God they killed the guy who killed Han Solo. Right. Right. And I think there is that that hard to achieve way to use a corny term to have your cake and eat it too. Um, it just, you know, it, it's, I feel like it is a tough writing assignment. If If I were a writer and they gave me that assignment, I feel like that would be the hardest thing to the hardest nut to crack. Well, honestly, the thing I think would be hardest to deal with in episode nine from a real world standpoint is how you handle Leia. And yeah. oh, it sounds like that may have been the crux behind some of the shakeup in the creative team behind episode nine. Um, and then after that is how you end Kylo's storyline. To me, those are the two hardest things to do. Yeah, and it is because it's it's you know the last movie. It has so much weight of expectation on it. Absolutely. But man, thank you, Catherine. Yeah, that's a good question. It's one that I think about a lot, and I think like the the big question going into nine. Uh, lastly, today I want to end with. An email from my delightful co-host Bernie Brown. Oh yeah. <laughs> this, this would be a vase would be a voicemail, but I'm surrounded by loud things. Mm. Hi, Cantabite. I hope you are all doing well. I'm currently waiting to get into one of the Universal Studios parks. I don't know which one though because I did not re do research. Okay. I have a question. If Krennic survived Rogue One somehow, what would he be doing? How long would he last? Miss you, Emily, and hi, Hawes, if you're there. You're both the best. Love you. Ooh. You, you you lead this one off, Emily. I'm very intrigued to hear this. Okay. If Krennic survives 
gets off planet somehow. Basically, all right. So if let's say Tarkin's still in charge of the Death Star, Krennic's maybe like in a hospital somewhere or something. As soon as Krennic hears the Death Star is destroyed, he is piecing the fuck out. Like, he's going into hiding somewhere. Maybe he goes and becomes a farmer on some terrible rainy planet (laughs) because he knows, as the architect of the Death Star, the guy who brought Galen Urso into this all... Oh, it's going to be his ass. weakness in. Yeah, he would be totally killed. And he's smart enough to know that. And... Like loyalty to the imperial, whatever the fuck. There's, there's no way he's getting gone. Hmm. That, I like that. Krennic and hiding. See, I my first thought was, let's say, let's go with yours. He gets off the planet. He gets shot by Cassian. So yeah, he's probably in the hospital or at least spending an afternoon in the back to tank, right? So he's not there when the Death Star gets destroyed. Makes me wonder if that would be his cue to try and make some sort of power play. But I also didn't consider, yeah, they would probably blame him for it. Like, because the Empire clearly, I think you have to assume they already have the second Death Star under construction. Because it seems like it would be awfully hard for them to put that thing together in like three years. Well, considering how long it took them to do the first one, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that makes me wonder, like, was it already under construction? They had planned multiple of these or at least two. Like, would he try to make some kind of power play and then do a, a critic turnaround and blame Tarkin for the destruction of the Death Star and be like, well, let me head up the Death Star 2 project and and I'll do it right this time. Or would they be like, no, nah, man, this is your fault and Vader chokes his ass out but finishes this time that's an interesting question yeah if if there's a way for him to shift the blame onto Tarkin I guess we sort of like even with even with like Catalyst and stuff like it's still because Tarkin was trying to take credit for some stuff and trying to like weasel into power on the Death Star he might have left himself open to taking some blame that's not really his. Yeah, I think he might have, right? Because he's real happy to take control of the Death Star from Krennic. So maybe that turns around and posthumously bites Tarkin in the ass. Ooh. I don't know, Emily. I think this sounds like something you might want to get to writing. I would be real intrigued to write. It's like a Marvel what if uh, issue. Oh, man. I always wish we could get some of those in Star Wars. You know, they did um, a really cool series called Star Wars Infinities. Okay. And it's, um, it's basically Marvel what if for each of the three movies of the original trilogy. So the A New Hope Infinities starts off with Luke not blowing up the Death Star. He misses the shot. Ooh. And then it tells a story from then on. And then either Return of the Jedi or Empire, I think it's the Empire Strikes Back one, Luke dies on Hoth. And Leia goes to Dagobah and trains with Yoda and things like that. 
Oh man, okay, I gotta, I gotta look those up because I am a sucker for that shit. Me too. And as a like, those came out when I was in college. They came out sort of in the prequel era because I have a vague memory of like her interacting with maybe the Force Ghost of Qui Gon Jinn at some point. So like, they use some prequel characters and stuff too. Um, and some of them are hit and miss, but they're fun. They're a, a, a neat little read uh, if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because, like, for me, when I was growing up in fandom, I did so much fan fiction and stuff that I've always loved the the what-ifs and the parallel universes and the alternate oh. history. I wish I could find it. I may have it. I have this old Hotmail account where I used to write... I, I dabbled in the fan fiction when I was in high school. Um, I have some Star Wars that's real embarrassing. It's going to be debuted on oh, on Blue Harvest sometime. I'm hoping, because we want to record it as like a radio drama with sound effects and stuff. And oh my God, can I be in it, please? Absolutely. We're going to need voices. And I'll tell you this, as a kid, I knew I didn't, well, I felt I didn't have it in me to write luke skywalker or characters like that i knew and loved so i said it 500 years after return of the jedi so it's all new characters and stuff like that so i could just not have to worry about messing up writing luke skywalker or princess leia right <clears throat> but i have a series of fan fiction i wrote that was a crossover between final fantasy 7 and chrono trigger that was the last time My i read it i was like Oh, this is cringy. <laughs> My mind is exploding. This is amazing. This is this is whole new Oz news for me, <laughs> yeah. and I love it. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Oh, yeah, I've I've made the mistake a couple times as an adult. It's like going back to my old accounts because I still have some floating around. I'm not giving out my my uh, screen name, but most of my stuff is still up. Oh, so I. I have this website that I used to write fan fiction for that I don't think exists anymore. So I'm totally fine with giving out the fan site. But it was called Tales from the Vault, right? And it was all horror-themed fan fiction. It wasn't even fan fiction. It was like original fiction. People would write short stories. And the way it worked is like someone would write the introduction and then you would submit the next part and a moderator would approve it. So it was like this group project almost where it would oh, that's be. Oh, cool. Yeah. And like, um, I remember the one that I used to fucking love submitting to was one about a creepy ventriloquist dummy, which still creeped me out to this day. And when it was still around, I could like, when that site was still around, I could go and look and, oh man, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. So, you know, I have like, one or two things that I, I I think are okay still. Like there was this um, every year. There's this fandom exchange called uh, Yuletide, and it's specifically for like small fandoms. Oh, okay. And it's like there's a, it's like you have to be under a certain limit of stories about that fandom on on fanfiction.net and archive of our own because it, it's you know and so you. You make a list of, okay, these are the fandoms that I can write, and these are the fandoms that I read, and they'll, they, like, match everybody up. And I did one, 
where I ended up writing Deadwood. Oh, which really? Was, which as soon as I, I got the like assignment, I was like, oh, fuck, what was I thinking? I can't write Deadwood. It's one of the most brilliantly written shows of all time. But like when I fi- I had to write it because it was, you know, a gift basically for somebody like well that's the thing about thick exchanges like it makes you write and so i wrote it and i i went back to that one about a year ago and i'm like there's some not terrible stuff here because it's you know it's just you know it's a few thousand words it's like a character study but i look back at some of my old like buffy the vampire slayer stuff oh, oh boy man i love buffy too oh i know i'm sorry i know we're going way longer than you normally do i'm having a blast um have you I'm really intrigued. Have you seen this book that just came out called Slayer that's set in the book Dude, Buffy it looks Universe? Awesome. Yeah, I really want to check it out. So apparently, correct me if I'm wrong, it deals with the daughter of Buffy's first watcher, which is I guess the guy from the movie. Uh Donald Sutherland, yeah, right? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to check that out. No, I think I think that one that one looks good, and I'm like we keep hearing that they're doing a new, like Buffy show. And I I think you could do some really cool shit with it. I, I what I hope they do with a new Buffy show, I'd be okay with a reboot. There's been so much time in between it that, you know, it's not. I I still feel like Buffy ended on a satisfactory note. I don't know about you, but. I could never really get into like the season eight, nine, and ten comics. Did you ever give those a shot? I, I tried, and it gets a little too weird. Yeah, it. On one hand, I understand the desire that you're working within a medium that you could do stuff that you could never do within the TV show. But to me, that almost like not having the restraint of that TV show budget and runtime let them get a little too weird and. Like True people crazy are with flying. Mm-hmm. I think Dawn at one point like turns into like literally turns into like a fucking centaur or something. Yeah, and she's a giant also at some point. Like there's all kinds of weird stuff that goes on with Dawn. Um I'm hoping when the show comes out, like it's Buffy, but it's Buffy training a new slayer. So even bring Sarah Michelle Geller back, bring any of the cast back that wants to come. I know um the guy that played Xander is having a real tough time lately. He has been in some trouble. But, yeah. you know, I would just, I'm all about a continuation that's within the same universe. Don't make Buffy the same, the main character, but make her the mentor type character and pass the torch on to a new Slayer. And I could be all about that. Yeah, and she can either be like training a whole group of Slayers, mm-hmm. or if you just want it to be one person, like th- there's all sorts of magic and shit just rewrite it so somehow that un gets undone and it's back to being one girl and they're trying to like reverse that or something yeah just i say for one ignore the comics you know oh definitely and i think you could do not post-apocalyptic by any means but sort of set it off on a bad foot where yeah like whatever awoke all those slayers in season seven um was reversed and now you know because you know in buffy lore a slayer has to die for the the power to be passed on to the next slayer i don't know that i'd want them to go that route 
but it, I think it would be cool if maybe Buffy, in in whatever happened, is no longer the Slayer, but she's found who the power is passed on to, and like she has so much experience in all the bad shit and heartbreak she went through as the Slayer. I think she would make a really powerful mentor men, mentor character to like a new young lady picking up that role. Yeah. Yeah, I. I have a lot of affection for that show still. I feel like, yeah, like everything else, like maybe it was around like like a season or season and a half too long. Yeah, okay. But Who's your favorite go- villain? Like your the, your favorite season, Big Bad. Mine's the mayor. I, I love, I the, love mayor. the mayor. Yeah. Be- that whole like congenial, like charming, like awe, shucks mm-hmm. thing yeah. is so great. I like him. Um, my least favorite season is season four with Adam and Riley uh, Finn. I think Riley Finn all, is maybe uh, one of the most unlikable TV characters in history. He for, He's like dull as dirt. And also, you know what? Keep, my milita- keep the military out of my Buffy. Yeah, I don't like that whole, what is it, the Institute, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought five with, um, what's the villain's name in that? The kind of crazy old god lady what's her glory uh glory i like that season quite a bit there's some cool stuff there with with ben and glory and then they're the same like when you find out mm-hmm. that they're the same oh and that scene i just got chills the scene at the end of season five when giles kills <gasps> ben and he's like oh my god when he when he's like she's a good person i'm not and then kills him oh Oh, so good. One of the things I regret is, I mean, because he's too old for it to happen now, is because there was talk back in the day of doing like a Ripper miniseries. Oh, it would have been so good. Just like cool, awesome young Giles. Because that episode, uh, Bad Candy, when everybody reverts to their teenage (laughs) selves. And he's like listening to punk rock and smoking and oh, it's so good. Oh my God, it's so awesome. I always, I always really liked season two as well with Angelus. Yes. Like, yes. And, you know, as a person, that is a storyline that might not usually um, resonate with me. And I'll be honest, I was resistant to Buffy at first. My roommate, Josh, when I first moved, into, moved to Birmingham, was a huge Buffy fan. And he was like, if you give it a shot, you're going to love it. And then, like three weeks later, I had watched the entire series, and I, it's it's so good. I just, um, yeah, I'm with you. You know, probably a little too long. I still think season six with Dark Willow solid when she rips that dude's skin off. Is it Andrew? Oh man, no, uh, Warren. Warren, so good. And then even elements of season seven are good. Uh, it's still. Uh, it kind of bums me out and I guess it in a way makes sense how quickly they kill off some characters in the finale because I love Anya Anya is one of my favorite characters I was so mad that they killed her me too and that they killed her to save fucking Andrew or whoever yeah oh I was mad yeah it is a bummer and like they get flack and I think they deserve flack for the you know kill the lesbian trope with Tara but at the same time man that gave us some good stuff the 
I understand 100% the flack they got for that trope, but the like Allison Hannigan, that's her name, right? Her performance yeah. in the, that episode and the episodes that follow is so heartbreakingly good. Like in some small way, I give them the slightest pass for that because it at least they do something really powerful and good with it. You know, I just, oh, man, heartbreaking. And oh man, I had they, like they did good. Like they could do heartbreaking deaths on that show. I I had the benefit of not knowing anything about Buffy, so I didn't know you know that Buffy died in season five. I didn't know any any of the big character deaths, any of the big moments when they killed Angel off and at the end of season two. I thought that was it for Angel. You know, like it's such a ride. It's so good, and I feel like you know sometimes people don't want to give it a shot because it was like a WB UPN show, but it's so good. Yeah. And look, it's, you know, it's one of those nineties supernatural, like there's, there's some cheesy ass shit in it. Oh, for sure. But there's also just some, some really like interesting and beautiful stuff and some episodes that don't get nearly enough credit just because it's on Buffy. Um, Like, like hush when for like most of your episode, the characters can't talk. So you're just doing like a silent movie. So good. And those those creatures in that episode, I actually oh, had nightmares yeah. about. They're creepy as hell. Yeah, the gentlemen. I have a I have an action figure of them somewhere. Oh, that's around. cool. And oh, the episode when Joyce dies. Oh, so un like that's the thing. Like they they did so many unexpected things and that Joyce episode after you know like the the one episode ends with her coming in and seeing Joyce on the ground and you see her in the background as Buffy's going around the house doing stuff yeah and then she sees her and the episode ends and the next episode starts with silence and she's just sitting on the couch in like a haze as the paramedics and stuff come in there's there's no music in that episode at all it is incredible which which is cool because it's one of those things I don't even think I noticed no. The first time I watched, like I knew something was ha- like I knew there was some reason that, like they were doing something that was affecting me even more than just this death. But I couldn't, I couldn't figure out like what felt so wrong. Right, it's oh man, I think I have to add a, a Buffy rewatch to the list after a, a lost rewatch, maybe even before because I think it's been a little longer since I've rewatched Buffy. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't rewatched Buffy for for a while. Did you ever get into Angel? I I tried. I own both of the like complete sets and I got several seasons into Angel, but something about it just like when they do that whole storyline, it's it's almost kind of a rip off from Cable from the X-Men. You know what I mean where he has the kid and Yeah, the, that's that's a, that's when I kind of bowed out. Yeah, I just couldn't get into it past there. And I have friends that swear by Buff uh, Angel over Buffy and I just don't see it. One day I'll finish it though. I well, admittedly part of my problem with Angel is Cordelia was my favorite character on the show. So once she's dead, I'm like, well, or like in a coma or whatever. I'm just like, well, there goes the character I really liked the most. Mm-hmm. And that that that's always hard. Buffy, I don't feel like gets enough credit for the character growth. You know what I mean? Like Cordelia starts off 
as such a stereotypical cheerleader, preppy She's a mean girl. Yeah, mean girl. And the way that character progresses is so cool. It, to like from Buffy, and then she leaves the show in season three, right? And then is a regular on Angel, correct? Yes. And like, it's so good. And I, I'm with you. Cordelia turned out to be a favorite character of mine. And like, what's funny about Buffy and Lost that have in common is I love the stories of both, but it's more about the characters. The characters are what I'm drawn to even more than the story. And it's one of those situations where it's easier for me to tell you the characters I don't like than the characters I do, because I like 98% of the characters on both shows. You know what I mean? Like there's a small handful on each show where there's characters I don't like, you know? Yeah. Like Riley. I don't like Riley. Nobody likes Riley. I'm glad to hear that. I felt like I was alone in that when I was watching that show. No, like, okay, look, I guess they're like, he's got his some fans and that like, oh, this idea of her like having a more like, like non-vampire dude, but he sucked. He did. He did. Um, I just. And then when you find out he's like going to the vampire, like whorehouse or whatever the fuck it was. It's just like, I wasn't a huge fan of his storyline being like, he constantly felt like he needed to one up Buffy because he's like insecure. Like, no dude, take the fucking back seat. It's cool. You're dating the slayer. This is her calling. Like she was chosen by some mystical force. You are a sidekick at best, dude. Chill the fuck out. Yeah. I feel like the, I, they should have just had him actually be like a normal dude. Yeah. And to like deal with, like what that relationship is like he can be a he can be a re, like a normal dude who knows about all the shit's going down yeah yeah I, yeah it's just <clears throat> i honestly season five is probably of all the buffy seasons the only one where like i kind of dislike most of it like no season four sorry um season one is a little hit or miss, but it's because they sort of stick to that monster of the week formula. Yeah. And then once like the beginning of season one and the end of season one with the master are so good that I can deal with some goofy monster. Like that episode where Xander has the thing for the praying manis teacher is awful. Oh God. It's so so bad. bad. But after that, it's like season two and three like this, it, the end of season one, season two, and season three are so good and so consistent that I can forgive the shortcomings of season four. And then from there on, it's a it's hit or miss, but there's really good stuff throughout the other seasons. I feel. Yeah, and and I think even even through the end, the good stuff gets you through the not so good stuff. Absolutely, like it, it outweighs it. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm just looking at my wall of box sets, seeing what else I need to rewatch. Yeah, Buffy and 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 Lost are definitely. I, I think I'll probably start Monday while I'm working rewatching Buffy because, oh, that musical episode is so good. Once again, something I if you had told me you're going to love Buffy 
and one of your favorite episodes is going to be a musical episode, I wouldn't have believed it. But it's so good. I don't like musicals. Yeah, me neither. But I love that episode. <clears throat> and like following it right at like that that set of episodes that and then uh, Tabla Rasa where they lose their memories. Yes. Oh, such a solid, solid pair of episodes. And what's great about Tabla Rasa is most of the time it's like 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 ninety percent of that episode is ha. Ah, it's funny. Nobody knows who they are. They're all discovering, like, Bobby's discovering she's super strong. Spike's discovering he's a vampire. All sorts of, like, shenanigans. And then it ends with devastation. Yes. Have you heard the goofy fan theory? And this one always annoys me. That, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it's the one where the demon is putting Buffy in a reality where she's in a mental institution. Yes. Have you heard the fan theory that that's the actual reality and then that's what man i hate that people need to fuck off with that shit yeah like it doesn't have to be that deep guys like you don't have to look for some hidden meaning it was just an interesting idea for an episode yeah and why like why would you want that to be the reality I like don't why know. would you want this entire show that you've watched for seven seasons to not actually mean anything? It's like the same thing happened with Lost. Do you remember after the last episode of Lost, the end credits were shown over a still image of the wreckage on the beach? And people yeah. were like, oh, that means they di- everybody died in the crash. And Boo. like literally the creators had to come out and go, no, we didn't have... Like, we told the entire story. We didn't have anything to put on the screen while the credits rolled. So we just decided that would be, like, a nice image to show where it all started. That's not what it meant. But still, to this day, people will be like, that show sucks because they were all dead the whole time. And that's not it, you know? Yeah. I I understand, like, not everybody's going to love the ending when the show ends like that but i'm sort of i was shocked by just how badly people reacted to the last episode of lost i saw it coming like just because there's no way you can please everybody with that show they set too much stuff up you know they they made the mystery such a big deal that there's no way to please anybody and typically i find that the people most pleased with the finale of Lost were the people that were invested in the story of the characters more so than the overall mysteries. I feel like having done my Lost due diligence, having, you know, um, done the Lost book club back in the day, like where, you know, they'd show a book on the, the show and then people would read it in between seasons and try to get meaning out of it. I went along with that. I read the Lost Encyclopedia. I feel like I have a pretty solid understanding of most of the big mysteries, but at the end of the day, I was attracted to Lost because of the story of the characters, and I feel like that's why the ending was pretty satisfactory to me. Yeah. I I I think it's a good ending. Like I watched the ending of that, I had a big smile on my face. I probably was crying a little bit. Oh. So <laughs> we watched with a huge group of friends. We used to have Lost Night. There was not a dry eye in the house. And the next morning after Will went to work, I watched the finale again. 
and no joke laid on the couch in the fetal position crying like a baby. Mainly because Aww. it was over. Like that episode is yeah. sad. Like the there's this scene to this day that like chokes me up so much. Uh, it's at the concert in the sideways reality of or whatever you want to call it. It's towards the end. Jack shows up late to see his son perform at this concert and Kate's waiting for him. And when she sees him, she says, I've missed you so much. And that's when it all sort of starts dawning on you what's going on. It, yeah. it didn't get me at the time, but on rewatches, knowing the context behind that one statement so sad yeah i got fuck i gotta do a rewatch <laughs> right on <laughs> all right that's that's going on the list it was going to be farscape next but now it's going to be lost another show i would love to rewatch and i think is on amazon prime it might be Man, that's a show that does not get nearly enough credit. It doesn't, and it is very good. Awesome puppets. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, I, I say, when it comes to science fiction TV show, the best creature design out there. Without a doubt. Like, I can't think of something that comes close. Like, I love Star Trek creature design, but for the most part, it's humanoids well, in makeup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's got two arms and two legs, mm-hmm. and then they just have various degrees of shit on their heads. Right. Like, don't be wrong, the Cardassians are cool looking, the Klingons are cool looking, but because Farscape worked with Jim Henson Workshop so much, you get all sorts of weird, like, bug creatures. And... Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> now, now that we've become not even at all a Star Wars podcast... How about you tell the good folks on the internet where they can find you talking about <clears throat> actual Star Wars? Well, hey, I'm sorry to have come on and hijacked the show. I know it's much longer than you guys normally go. I had so much fun. Thank you for having me on. Um, if you want to hear more of these kind of shenanigans, because trust me, it happens on both the shows I'm part of, check us out uh, every Thursday. Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast for winners with my buddy Johnny and sometimes Mike Pappas. And every Saturday on Blue Harvest with my buddy Will. Um, If you go and look in the previous episodes, Emily's been on a couple of times. She was on uh, our Last Jedi reaction and her and Brittany were both on an episode. Uh, I think when Will, when was was Will there? I think it was a week when Will couldn't make it. (coughs) So check those out um we talk star wars and a bunch of other stuff and um we have a good time yes it's always good i always enjoy listening to both of those shows and you are is it blue harvest pod on twitter yes blue harvest okay blue harvest pod on twitter follow haws lots of retweeting of raccoon accounts which i greatly appreciate can i tell you 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 tweeted the other day maybe about a month ago I saw a cute animal video online and I was going to tag Halls in it, but then I realized it was him that retweeted it. And (laughs) I said, I responded, yes, my secret plan is working. I wasn't joking. With all the negativity about Star Wars and Star Wars fandom that I was seeing on my timeline, I, no joke, went and subscribed to a bunch of cute animal Twitter accounts 
And now, anytime I see someone being an asshole on Twitter or some sort of negativity, I go to those accounts and retweet the shit out of them in the sole purpose that if someone also sees that stuff and follows me, they'll be like, oh, what an asshole. Oh, check out that raccoon. That makes me feel better. It totally works, I gotta tell you. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to hear that. Because this way, I'm getting like the very best of the cute animal Twitter sphere. Because <laughs> it's like curated by Hawes. Oh, yeah. And I know there's not going to be any like, oh, look at this adorable spider. No. Nope. That spider is not adorable. That's a spider. I do not. I do not fucks with spiders. <laughs> yeah. So those are both of those. Uh, check out the latest episode of The Sith List because Hawes was on that as well. Yes, I was. That came out today. Well, today being Sunday. Yeah. Um, Haas, buddy, thank you so much for coming on. I was like, next week I'm doing a solo show, but the thought of doing two solo shows in a row wasn't going to happen. Well, so, yeah. (laughs) Thank you for having me on. I really had a great time. Can't thank you enough. Yes. Good, 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 good. I was very nervous. But um, uh, you can follow the podcast at CantoBite Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us if you want to send us fuck Mary Kills or questions or comments or whatever. Do that CantoBitePod at gmail.com. And thank you if you've stuck with us for the two and a half hours of lots <laughs> of other stuff and some, I think, some quality Star Wars chat as well. I think so. so. I think we did a nice yeah. balance. Yeah, it's good times. Anyway, follow Haas, listen to Haas' podcasts, tell Haas that he's awesome, mm. tweet cute animal pictures at Haas, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye! Uh, Kanto bitch number one doing it fulcrum style. Uh, check it out. Listen up, y'all, because this is it. Fuck all the rest, be a Kanto bitch. Brittany the Jinj and Emily Lynn. Bet on these two to show place and win. These are the girls you've been looking for. Unique takes on Star Wars and more. Listen every week for laughs and fun. Take it from me, Kendall Bitch number one.